0: Good morning. Our opening words this morning are an adaptation reading by Samuel
1: McCord Crothers from the book Prayers from 1928. We commemorate the places and faces which have been recalled during our time together. Let the horizon of our minds include all people. The great family here on earth with us, those who have gone before and left to us the heritage of their memory and of their work, and those whose lives will be shaped by what we do or leave
0: undone. Thank you. So let's see what we have here today. So we have this book called Lubna and Pebble. Can you all say the name Lubna? Lubna. So this is actually a story about refugees. Have
1: you guys heard that word before, refugees? So a person who's a refugee is someone who had to leave their home, probably because there was some war. They weren't feeling safe. So they had to go find a new home. Okay, so this is the story of Lubna
0: and Pebble by Wendy Madure and Daniel Agnes. We have some good big pictures in this book. Lubna's best friend was a pebble. It was shiny and smooth and gray. So here's Lubna. Lubna found it on the beach when they arrived in the night. Then she fell asleep in daddy's salty arms. When Lubna opened her eyes, it was morning. They had landed, landed in a world of tents.
1: Lubna clutched daddy's hand and gripped her
0: pebble. So she was holding on tight to her dad. Somehow she knew they'd keep her safe. In a big white tent, Lubna found a felt tip pen. And she drew a happy face on her pebble. Hello, pebble, whispered Lubna. And pebble smiled back. Can you see the smile on the pebble? Mm -hmm. Lubna told pebble everything. About her brothers, about home, about
1: the war. Pebble always listened to her stories.
0: Pebble always smiled when she felt scared. I love you, Pebble, Lubna said with a sigh. That sounds like it's a really good friend for Lubna, doesn't it?
1: See what happens next. Then, the winter arrived. The winds began to blow, and the tents began to flap.
0: Daddy said to Lubna, come close, I'll keep you warm. So the seasons are changing. But Lubna was worried. What if Pebble gets a cold? That must never
1: happen, said Daddy. He went and found a shoebox and a tea towel.
0: Thank you, Lubna grinned, and she put Pebble to bed and kissed it goodnight. Now we have someone new in our book. Soon, a little boy arrived. At first, he had no words, just blinks and sneezes and stares. This is my best friend, Pebble, Lubna said. The
1: little boy coughed and sneezed then smiled
0: hello pebble my name's amir can y'all say amir good good lubna and amir became friends they played hide and seek
1: underneath the stars but at bedtime lubna
0: whispered to pebble you are still my best friend One day, daddy was beaming. We are leaving, we have found a new home. Lubna felt happy and then sad. Amir cried. That night, Lubna couldn't sleep. She asked Pebble what to do. Pebble didn't answer. But by the morning, Lubna knew. So Lubna gave Amir the shoebox with Pebble and the pen.
1: What do I do if Pebble misses you, asked Amir. Draw the smile back on, said Lubna. And what do I do if I miss you? Tell Pebble all about it, Lubna said. Amir
0: nodded, and he held the shoebox really tight. So here's Lubna on the ship, can you see? And here's Amir with Pebble in the box. Goodbye, Pebble, Lubna whispered. Hello, Pebble, Amir said. And that's the end of our story. What did y'all think about that story? Do you like Pebble as her best friend? Yeah? Do y'all have a best friend in your life? You have good friends?
1: They're important, aren't they? People who listen to our stories the way Pebble listened to Lubna and is now going to listen to Amir. Thank you for listening and reading the story with me
2: today. Our reading this morning is by the poet, David White, entitled The Great Tragedy of Speed. The great tragedy of speed as an answer to the complexities and responsibilities of existence, is that very soon we cannot recognize anything or anyone who is not traveling at the same velocity as we are. We see only those moving in the same whirling orbit and only those moving with the same urgency. Soon we began to suffer a form of amnesia caused by the blurred vision of velocity itself where those germane to our humanity are dropped from our minds one by one. We start to lose sight of any colleagues who are moving at a slower pace, and we start to lose sight of the bigger, slower cycles that underlie our work. We especially lose sight of the big, unfolding waveform passing through our lives that is indicative of our central character. On the personal side, as slaves to speed, we start to lose sight of family members, especially children, or those who are ill or infirm, who are not flying through the world as quickly and as determinedly as we are. Just as seriously, we begin to leave behind the parts of ourselves that limp a little the vulnerabilities that actually give us color and character. We forget that our sanity is dependent on a relationship with longer, more patient cycles extending beyond the urgencies and the madness of the office. I was raised in a Christian church. My family was active. I was involved in the children's and youth programs and definitely in the music program. I answered the altar call one year revival. When I was in college, I started to question things. I started to think about this. And during one of those college years, during a conversation with another woman in my dorm, a Christian, for the first time, I said, no, I don't want this. I don't believe it. I'm done. And she couldn't understand that because she said, but you know this so well. I said, well, yeah, knowledge and belief, not the same. I don't remember receiving a lot of little paper cuts during this time. But finally, I was able to articulate my problem with Christianity, that it is arrogant, thinking it is better than any other faith path, and that it has done great harm from that position throughout history. Previously, I had loved the certainty of my faith, and when I left it, I felt that it had betrayed me. So one Sunday morning during the sermon, Nick asked us to indicate by show of hands where we were before we came to UU. You may remember that a few of us were previously unchurched or participated in a faith other than Christianity, but most of us us had previous experience in Christian churches. Our former pastor, Dennis McCarty, told me one day, that many people come to Unitarian Universalism to heal. Some do so and leave, others do so and stay. It took a very long time for me to play and sing those Christian hymns of my youth. And I'm very glad that I can do most of them now. There's still a couple holdouts. Making assumptions is so easy, and it's a very dangerous practice. Usually, when we assume, we are simply being thoughtless, not intending any harm. In reading anti-racism work, those chapters on microaggressions, they jump out of the book to me, and I see myself thoughtlessly dispensing paper cuts. I'm finally learning, I hope, to be more careful. But I need to bring that learning to faith. I need to remember why I left Christianity and be aware of the healing that I have done and the healing that I still need. I need to remember that some of us in this congregation are Christian and honor that. I also need to remember that well-meaning people, including those Christians who are so sure that they have the answer, can do real harm. So, how do I deal with that? How welcoming are we when people come here to heal? Are we aware that that's what's going on? How thoughtful is our help to them? What assumptions might we be making? And do we think our path is best? How do I avoid cutting others? So many questions, no answers. The questions are good,
0: good ones.
1: I've been pretty sick with acute bronchitis, and um, from practicing the sermon, my voice is worse today than it's been for the past two days, so I ask for your patience, Um, and you may hear some coughing, and I have cough drops down here even, Um, so grateful to Chris and everybody who has understood that sometimes life pauses you. And you're forced to
0: rest, and we should listen to that and prioritize that. I wanna begin
1: with a story about a paper cut that I experienced on October 23rd of last year. I'd been sick earlier in the month with COVID for a second time. On this 23rd of October, I was finally feeling more like myself, although still coughing. And it was the last day of the season to rent a kayak at the Indianapolis Canal downtown. And that afternoon with 70 degree weather, I just knew in my body that I needed to be on that water. Moving my body, keeping it active. I'm not much of a fan of winter. I get sick a lot during the winter and I could feel it coming. And my body was telling me that I would regret if I didn't go and get on the water. So I parked my car at IUPUI and I ran because it was end of the day and I coughed, getting there on the dot, last person to be allowed on the water. The people after me were told they were too late. One hour, just me on the kayak and it was glorious. I took in the fresh air and the breeze that touched my skin directly. I had not felt so healthy in several weeks. And I welcomed every droplet of water that landed inside the kayak and
0: onto my clothes. I felt at peace. And then I had this really cool experience where I got to
1: a place in the canal where a mariachi Mexican band was playing music surrounding a couple who seemed to have just gotten engaged with family and friends on the other side. I pulled my phone out really quickly and began to record. And as I did so, the mariachi band turned to me
0: and played music. Let me show you on the screen what happened. if we could keep it on that screen for a minute
1: till the end of the story there's also a picture on that screen I'll reference here so I my body filled with this adrenaline and gratitude to be on that water and that I listened and that I you know, I knew I was meant to be there. And I my cup was filled, my spirit was filled with something that is so tender to my formative years. I spent years not listening to music as a Muslim. Um, that changed when I entered Sufi Islam. But I grew up with mariachi music in our house every day, especially Sundays, especially birthdays. And so I just was giddy and happy. So after I took my kayak back, I decided that I would keep walking that canal and continue to enjoy the temperature and that breeze on my skin that made me feel like I could really breathe. And there I found myself with my headphones and my music and solitude, minding my own business, time moving at my own speed and happy to be alone, no people pleasing. When I got to a part of the canal that merged, I noticed a family on the left side that was walking slower than me, and I knew my walk was faster, so I decided to walk fast and get beyond them so that I could continue to keep space and go at my own pace, and the other people could just go at their pace. And I did that, and I got beyond them before the paths merged and created quite a distance. And then suddenly, I noticed someone running towards me from behind, and they got my attention, tapped me because I had the headphones, and it was the adult woman from that family that I had decided to speed up to and pass. I felt a sense of urgency from
0: her, and so I became alert and pulled myself out of my own moment. And she asked me, hi, what church do you go to? I responded, I already have a faith home and I'm not Christian, actually.
1: No trigger, right? (laughs) And it seems to be the perfect opportunity for her to go on and invite me again, tell me more about her church. And after letting her go on for a moment, I ended up saying, thank you for the invitation, but I actually left Christianity a long time ago. Our interaction still took a minute to end. And she went back to her family. They were Latinos, by the way. (laughs) And I went back to my now broken solitude and resentment entered the rest of my walk. I couldn't stop thinking about that experience. And I took a selfie with them behind me to tell someone about it later. So if we could put that uh, slide back up again, Um, it's a blurry picture, so no one is visible. but they're behind me at that point. I had already sped up again and was trying to regain back the power of my own energy. And, you know, no, I took more pictures of them across as I watched them, like stopping other people. And I was just so frustrated. Like, why do people do
0: this? (sighs) By the way, I don't know how to swim.
1: So every time I get onto a kayak, It's a journey to tell myself that I can trust myself, that I won't flip over, and that I will come out at the end of it so happy that I did it because there is something about the water that calls my inner spirit. I've taken swimming classes, but COVID happened and I'm not quite there, but I don't let that hold me back. This is the journey that I'm on. And unfortunately, this woman never had any curiosity about me and she could not stop her own velocity to meet mine. She tried to force me to meet her speed. And when I told this story to my my youngest son with his friends in the room, one of them, a Christian pointed out how sad that she was with her family and could only focus on what she
0: had to tell you. And I found that really deep. knew that was i know that was a long story but these are the stories aren't they this one is just one
1: tiny story and one of the least cutting for me they've added up over the years for me as someone who grew up catholic who left it whose family still doesn't get curious about my path i've never wondered why at 14 i would choose to like i would choose to become muslim and deal with the bigotry, the dislike, the tension, because I chose that I couldn't believe in the Trinity. Like, that's actually why I left Catholicism. I've had to explain it over and over, even when I wore the hijab, that I'm not Christian, that I have a religion already, that I'm smart enough to know what's right for me, that I can trust myself
0: ongoing. So now I would like to invite you with your take home question. I don't know if it
1: got a chance to get printed. So I thought let's go ahead and do it in the service. I want to invite you to take a moment to reflect on memories when others have missed being curious about the religious spiritual faith journey that you are on. And I invite you to do this while checking in with your body and how it feels. And if it's too much, I encourage you to save it for later. Save it for when you're in a safer space or when there's someone close that can provide comfort. So take this moment. And as you recall,
0: here are two questions. What is it that others have asked and assumed about you? What is it that others have asked and assumed about you? And what do you wish they had asked about your life instead? The story of Lubna and her pebble is a sweet story
1: Because it can be really hard to find people who will
0: listen. And I just love the idea that sometimes we just create something that will listen to our stories. I don't have many friends who can really hold space for the diversity of my spiritual journey. And I know I'm not alone in that. It was actually in conversation with your minister, Reverend
1: Nick, that the title Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts came. We had some great conversations that helped me learn more about your congregation and the Columbus community as a whole. The title, I think, captures how experience upon experience, however brief or long-term within our own families or at work or just out in the community how experiences just add up, they build up, just like microaggressions
0: do for people of color, by the way. And it turns into things like pain, avoidance.
1: Will I go back to that spot on my canal? Will I be more vigilant next time? Resentment, distrust, inner rage, among other things, and we carry this in our bodies, they become these triggers close off who we really are what we really want to say and we know to be protected quite ahead of time when someone approaches us or we get near a situation that reminds us of these paper cuts and the reading by David White captures something that I'm curious about and that is this idea of the tragedy of speed and the inability for us as human beings to pause and be curious about the velocity that others around us travel at that means noticing, being curious, which helps us make a decision about whether or not we can meet someone at their speed, and to reflect on whether we will contribute something for the sake of our own ego instead. Is it really about them? So often in our world, do we miss one another when we are directly in front of each other? My parents have missed a lot of opportunities getting to know me as their
0: daughter. My father cannot get over the fact that I'm not Catholic. And he's 77 years old. I think he raised a pretty smart daughter. And I don't wanna limit this idea of paper cuts today to Christianity alone. Because all Abrahamic faiths
1: especially have a role in this idea of paper cuts. And I'll use we because I did this too, where we can get so caught up in heaven and hell, salvation, who gets there, who doesn't, who's allowed in and who's not, who's more righteous, saving people, who God loves and accepts, how we already do things and the purpose of the church. And this goes also beyond Abrahamic faiths and other paradigms, too, that don't have to even be religious in nature. But I believe that the power of Western Christianity in this conversation is one that needs to be named, as it has been forced and imposed on so many people, tribes and cultures, on indigenous peoples like my ancestors here in North America who had indigenous faiths and indigenous languages,
0: not Spanish because Spanish is the language of European Christian colonizers. I deeply believe that to move forward into healing and peace and
1: humility and beloved community, it happens by acknowledging where we have been hurt, by remembrance, by remembering, where we are exhausted of answering the same question over and over again that prevents us from getting to the real-life experiences
0: that really matter to us life is so short. We've been exhausted into feeling inauthentic, scared, resentful, enraged, and silenced.
1: And we can learn something by remembering so that as a faith community, we recognize that we
0: too have the potential of causing harm, and we have and we do and we will. And I want to also say that the sermon is not One to push us away from a
1: path within Christianity. Our very own history as Unitarian Universalists is rooted within Christianity. My Islamic experience was easy to accept out of Catholicism. With the great love I was taught to have for Mary, peace be upon her. In that mix of good and bad, we can be proud of a lot in our history too and feel less alone and isolated when we tell someone that we're Unitarian Universalists and they give us a weird glance and judge us because we're lacking according to them. We're not loners. Our ancestors left an example for us as they too dealt with these attitudes and the closed-mindedness as they fought their way for individualism, right? Unity of process, diversity of product. (laughs) And this isn't a sermon to make anyone feel ashamed for being Christian and missing that past religious experience or still being in Christian spaces for special holidays or with family. This is actually the point that if we can go and hold space for the ways in which we have been hurt and honor the greatness of the paths that we all individually have, That maybe we can show up in these spaces with more confidence about who we are, who we're trying to be, the great community that UUCCI is and the
0: gifts that it gives us. Our UU congregations gift us so much. And we've talked about
1: multi-faith and the possibilities of our faith as one that can really welcome multi-faith identities with a
0: lot of work. And I know we're at time, and I know how Unitarian Universalists can be
1: about long sermons, too. <laughs> and it's a good excuse that, you know, voice isn't all there. I was going to talk to you a little
0: bit more about UU history, um, but I will shorten um, there's no denying again that the history of our faith is within Christianity.
1: That's, that was hard for me as a Muslim, because that's the first thought that Muslims think of. You're going to a church and you're a Christian. I'm like, no, it's not really a church, but there are elements of church, right? A lot of what we know as Unitarian Universalism is also really influenced by the creation of the country of the United States. At the very beginning, it only knew, it knew that it could only succeed through the separation of church and state. Those was a very practical matter to make this country work. And I remember my professor of UU history, Reverend Amy Beltane telling us in our history class, our UU history class, that a part of what was, what has led UUs to be disengaged from politics And the unwillingness to be a part of our world's affairs is due to our history being so tied with this religious tolerance. But it's also a spiritual matter to pause and to slow down, to notice where others are on their journeys. To be curious, especially if we're going to meddle in other people's lives and stop them during a
0: walk or knock on their doors on an early Saturday morning. These are the nicer paper cuts, by the way. Our history starts with diversity. Christian roots are
1: diverse. No theological creed. No solid, what is the exact scripture we're following? Everybody's kind of doing their own practices. This is where Christianity started. And our ancestors
0: have remained steady in making that space available to us.
1: We are a faith of multiple theologies where Christians, ex-Christians, Muslims, Jewish, humanists, Buddhists, mystics within all Abrahamic faiths, inspired by them and inspired by the mystics and other faiths, pagan, agnostics, atheists, fence-sitters, seekers, and Unitarians and Universalists. We're a faith of so many identities and labels. We're a faith that gives spaces to those that need their own spaces to build up their voice, their power. To name their own paper cuts, these microaggressions caused with racial systems that have oppressed people of color, that happen at the hands of those traveling at a different speed who can't slow down enough to capture the speed of another. And I'll end with this, that my theory still stands, that I believe that part of the reason we don't share with others very often about our UU communities and our faith is that we fear doing to others what was done to us. And that we continue to deal with, because it happens all the time. And I believe we can get to a place where we can get more comfortable inviting people into our faith communities. And that we can invite ourselves back to the others that we come from if we need that. And that we can do so with an honesty and openness that we will mess up. But that we can mend by slowing down, noticing and being curious, and sometimes by apologizing and asking What did I assume about you that I missed slowing down for? What do you wish I would have asked about your life
0: instead? Or can you tell me more about you and I will just listen like a pebble? May it be so that we can honor the wounds that we have and make more space for others. Amen.